What's up, everybody? Cody here. I just want to say thank you all so much for all the support and the downloads and the listens and the feedback. I promise you we do read every single comment that we get, and we even take some of them into consideration. So please, if you like the podcast, keep sharing. We've had over 3,000 downloads or 100 of you on the email list, and that just really means the world to us. Uh, We have a couple live shows that are going to come up in the future. We have a lot of really fun stuff in the works, so stay tuned, and thank you again. Now let's get to the ghost. Welcome to the latest episode of American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to the history, hauntings, legends, and lore of America's past. Hosted by Cody Beck and Troy Taylor, our first season explores the hauntings of Alton, Illinois, one of the most haunted small towns in America. The Mississippi River has always been the lifeblood of Alton. The town exists because of a man named Colonel Rufus Easton, who decided to use what would become Alton as a ferry crossing to Missouri. He named the town, planned its streets, and sold the first land in what would become the busiest river town in Illinois. Between 1840 and 1860, the golden age of steamboating on the Mississippi brought wealth and prosperity to the region. But the river could be cruel. Those who believed they could control the river found that that was an illusion. The truth was more fearsome, and the people of Alton often found their homes and streets swallowed by the water and mud of the Mississippi River. The river gave, but it also took away. And perhaps this was the reason the river earned its reputation for haunting tales of phantom riverboats and unusual happenings. One story tells of a steamship and a boiler that exploded one night and took the life of a young steersman. The captain of the riverboat, mourning the loss of his crewmen, spent his days and nights searching for him in the river and along the banks. After the captain's own death, a ghostly light was said to appear near where the accident took place. The stories say it's the light of the captain's lantern as he still searches for the body of the young man who died on that fateful night. Other stories tell of a phantom riverboat that has been known to appear all along the Mississippi River. They say that when the boat appears and its whistle is heard, a river worker will be injured in an accident. Strange tales still haunt the banks of the river today, manifesting along the curving line of the Great River Road, a 550-mile highway that stretches from one end of Illinois to the next. It is along this highway that a number of Alton-area legends have taken root over the years, just steps away from the muddy waters of the Mississippi River. Just upriver from Alton is the legendary Blue Pool, a place of mystery and legend to several generations of people from around the region. This history of what would become known as the Blue Pool began during the early days of Alton. It was a landing site of Smeltzer's Ferry, one of the many boats that offered passage across the river. The ferry landing was connected to a well-used trail called Hop Hollow Road, a place with legends of its own, which will be featured in a future episode. Late in the 1800s, the ferry landing became a rock quarry and supplied stone for a railroad bed that was laid along the river. The quarry was filled with water almost immediately after, thanks to natural springs in the area, and it became a favorite local swimming hole and lover's lane for Alton teenagers. Over time, the Blue Pool earned an eerie reputation. In nearly every small town in America, the local lover's lane becomes home to the community's legends, whether they be oversized hairy beasts lurking in the trees or the maniacal killer with a hook for a hand. Blue Pool was no exception. 
By the 1960s, stories hinted that murders had been committed there and that bodies had been hidden in the depths of the quarry, which was, legends claimed, bottomless. Stories claimed that automobiles, a city bus, and a railroad car had been dumped into the pool, never to be seen again. Divers had tested its depths, but had returned to the surface because it was too deep for their equipment. And of course, there were tales of ghosts. Many claimed that the spirits of those who were murdered at the quarry had returned to haunt the place because their bodies had not been found. Others said that the ghosts were phantoms of teenagers who had been killed in fatal accidents in the swimming hole. Whoever they were, they were a frightful presence in the dark hours of the night, and their stories could be recounted from the driver's seat of a car, all in hopes that the girl in the passenger seat might slide just a little bit closer. But a horrific incident occurred in 1978 that took some of the spooky charm away from Blue Pool. On August 31, 1978, two boys who had gone to the quarry for a swim discovered the body of a young woman floating in the murky water. She had been stabbed repeatedly, and her body had been wrapped in chains, then tossed into the pool. Her killer had apparently believed the quarry really was bottomless. Well, he was wrong. During the investigation, the police drained the pool to look for evidence and found that it wasn't bottomless at all. It was about 26 feet deep. There was no bus or railroad car in the quarry. However, they did find a stolen automobile. The young woman's murder was never solved. In the years that followed, the springs refilled the blue pool, but no one was allowed to swim there anymore. The quarry had since been fenced off and closed to trespassers, but stories are sometimes heard to suggest that the blue pool ghosts have not been laid to rest. The legends say that eerie moans and cries are sometimes still heard echoing off the bluff that looms above the quarry, and that a shadowy figure is sometimes still seen standing near the water's edge, perhaps mourning a life that ended almost 40 years ago. Further along the river from the Blue Pool was a riverboat dock called Jersey Landing. It was a woodcutter's camp where steamboats often stopped for fuel. In the early 1850s, the little valley was purchased by a man named James Simple. He platted a village and called it Elsa, after the Scottish town of his ancestors. James Simple was an unusual man. He was the U.S. Ambassador to Columbia for a time, was a U.S. Senator from Illinois, a Brigadier General in the Army, wrote a number of books about South America and Mexico, and invented one of the very first automobiles in Illinois. His horseless carriage, which he called a prairie schooner, was powered by steam and could reach speeds of up to 20 miles an hour. But it was a motor car, and it was traveling on roads made for horses and wagons. After it became entrenched in some mud near Springfield, he abandoned the car and returned home to Elsa. The car was never seen again. When Simple started his new town, he offered the building lots for free, as long as the new owners would build their homes from native stone of the valley. Thanks to this, the small community is now home to quite a number of original homes built from limestone that was cut from the bluffs that surround the town. The entire village is now listed on the National Historic Register. And where there is history, and limestone it seems, there are ghosts. In 1891, the limestone bluff above Elsa became home to the Piazza Bluffs Hotel, a luxury resort for tuberculosis patients who came to the area looking for the fresh air that was believed to offer relief for consumptives during that era. The hotel had 37 rooms, a magnificent dining room, grand furnishings, and a 300-foot veranda where guests could take in the fresh breezes from off the river below. There was also a nearby medicinal spring that offered additional chances for cures at the health resort. 
Well, needless to say, the magic springs and fresh air did nothing to relieve tuberculosis, and after ending up with a death rate in the triple digits over a decade or so, the hotel closed down. In the 1930s, it was torn down to make way for Principia College, which is located on the grounds of the hotel today. The kitchen of the school is located, in fact, directly where the main portion of the resort once stood. This may explain why so many stories of ghosts have managed to make their way out of the college over the years. Principia College is a religious school connected to the Christian Scientist Church, so ghost stories are, strictly speaking, strongly discouraged. In spite of this, tales are still told of apparitions, lights that turn on and off, disembodied voices, phantom footsteps, and doors that refuse to stay closed. It seems that the resort guests of the past are still around looking for a little relief and relaxation. Located along the Great River Road where the Mississippi and Illinois Rivers meet is the town of Grafton. The community came into existence thanks to the efforts of a Massachusetts man named James Mason. He had relocated to the St. Louis area in 1818 and married the sister of a local businessman. Over the next several years, a number of St. Louis businessmen watched as Alton grew and prospered, taking opportunities away from other river towns nearby. So the St. Louis men hatched a plot. They would start a new town, upriver from Alton, where a railroad line could be built crossing the Mississippi into Missouri and bypassing Alton altogether. They recruited an unlucky in-law, James Mason, to carve out a log cabin community from the riverbank mud, trees, and mosquitoes when the Mississippi and Illinois rivers came together. By 1832, four log cabins, a frame house, and a few rugged buildings had been constructed. By 1834, Mason was dead a victim of one of the many cholera outbreaks that had been caused by bad drinking water. His widow remarried and named the town Grafton in honor of her late husband's birthplace. The town grew, although it never posed the threat to Alton that its founders had intended. New stores were opened and new industry came to the area, largely thanks to its proximity to the two rivers. In 1844, Grafton flooded. It was the best thing that could have ever happened to the place. The flood deepened the town's steamboat landing, making it possible to accommodate larger boats, and this, in turn, brought more people, prosperity, and commerce to the town. It also brought trouble. Grafton's growth attracted three railroad lines along with the men needed to build them. Fights became commonplace, especially between the Irish and German railroad workers. The murder rate climbed, brothels operated unchecked, and at one time there were 37 saloons in the small town, including one called the Bloody Bucket. In 1948, Grafton's last railroad line closed down and the economy plunged into a depression. It was not until the 1960s and the construction of the Great River Road that the town came back to life. Today, Grafton is a thriving river community with marinas, music venues, wineries, and bars, but hidden along the main street through town and the shadows behind the restaurants and shops are ghost stories that date back to the days when Grafton was still a rough riverboat town with a crime rate that rivaled towns more than twice its size. One of the spookiest stories of Grafton is that of Baby Hollow. Out in the woods, along the bluffs, above the struggling community of the 1840s, was the local pest house, a quarantine building that was used to house those who suffered from one of the many contagious diseases that plagued the people who lived along the river in those days. It was a one-room cabin, deep in a wooded hollow, and it was avoided by anyone who wasn't forced to go there. Most knew that if you were sent to the pest house, there was a good chance you weren't coming back. During the time when the pest house was in use, dozens of men, women, and children died and were buried in the woods of the hollow. 
Use of the pest house was eventually discontinued in the early 1900s. By then, medicine improved to the point that not every illness was fatal. The pest house was torn down, but stories about it lingered. The legend said that the ghosts of those who died at the pest house were now haunting the woods. The few who dared to go near the old place claimed to hear the weeping of children in the shadows. As the story spread, locals dubbed the place Baby Hollow as a reminder of the children who had been sent to that horrible spot and who had never returned. They're still out there, the stories say, which made Baby Hollow a place to be avoided. The children were crying because they wanted to come home, and anyone who ventured into those woods was liable to end up with a house guest that they didn't want. There is one other place in Grafton and is also haunted by a ghostly echo from the past, the Rubel Hotel. The hotel was built back in 1884 by Michael Rubel, a former riverboat captain, who wanted to offer travelers a comfortable place to stay in town. When it was completed, it was the largest hotel in the entire county, and with 32 rooms and a bathhouse out back, it was always busy. The hotel thrived until 1912 when it was destroyed by fire. It was quickly rebuilt though, adding a restaurant on the first floor and a dance hall on the second. It boasted the largest saloon in town and a wooden bar that came from a building that was part of the 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis. As time went on, the rest of the world passed Grafton by. After two world wars, the Great Depression, floods, the end of the steamboat era, and the closing of the railroad lines to town, the town slowly withered, and the Rubel Hotel died along with it. By the 1980s, the building was an abandoned derelict, its heyday long forgotten. Then in 1996, the hotel was purchased by the Lorton family, who now owns the Aries Winery in Grafton. They restored the hotel and reopened it for business in 1997. New guests began to arrive. The hotel won awards and was featured on regional travel sites, but throughout its revival, the hotel had one small problem. An unpaying guest named Abigail, who was making quite a nuisance of herself. She was first encountered during the renovations of the building. Workers began reporting that their tools would vanish and then turn up again in places where they knew they hadn't left them. Lights turned on and off, power saws refused to work and then mysteriously came back on. Small footprints, which seemed to belong to a child, were discovered in sawdust on the floor. There were no children in the building at the time. Shortly after the hotel opened, a housekeeper reported seeing a little girl on the staircase. She abruptly vanished, and the housekeeper quit. Soon after, several guests said that they had spoken to a girl in the upstairs hallway, then she turned a corner and disappeared. After the little girl was reported more than a dozen times, staff members nicknamed her Abigail. Who she might have been in life is unknown, but in death she has become the spectral mascot of sorts for the Rubel Hotel. Over the past 20 years, Abigail has continued to be experienced at the hotel. Guests and staff members have seen her, They've heard her weeping and have experienced the brush of her hands as they pass by her on the staircase. And, after all this time, she still hasn't paid for a room. Welcome to American Hauntings Podcast, where we discuss history, hauntings, legends, lore, and all things paranormal. You are listening to episode four of season one, covering the hauntings of Alton, Illinois. I'm your co-host, Cody Beck, and with me once again, my co-host is author, historian, crime buff, and founder of American Hauntings, Troy Taylor. 
Troy, how are you, sir? Good, good. This is, uh, we are, I know when people hear this, they will not know when we recorded this, but let me just say that the weather is about a thousand times better than when we recorded our last oh, episode. Oh, no, it's beautiful so, outside. Yeah, finally getting in some nice weather, so For that sure. improves my mood tremendously. <laughs> no, I, I'm the same way, absolutely. And I think it's, it's appropriate. I think this is going to be one of my favorite episodes because we're going to talk about one of my favorite places, which is the River Road and all the, the legends and lore that come along with that place. Yeah, so me I'm too. Super excited. I, uh, I, I, lo- I love it too. I always have. Um, this was one of those ones where it became an extended episode, but I, I think originally I told you, you said, well, what do you want to cover in this? And I had this list of like 10 more places right. and I just, I couldn't include them. There was just too many. So we have some things for future episodes that are all ready to go. So it's just a matter of getting to them. I just couldn't include them in this, this For sure. particular episode. I'm so. really excited because this is one so far where I think I've learned the most because like I I had no idea. Grafton thirty seven saloons? Yeah, well at one time. Yeah. How yeah, where I know. where did they all how I, do they fit? I know it. I know. And it's actually bigger now than it was then. So imagine how crammed they must have been. It must have been like everything on Main Street. It sounds like an amazing yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been a little crazy. <laughs> That's so. crazy because you know I think of Grafton now, and all I think about are you know the wineries and the great view. And, well, and, and, and you know, and they have, stuff. and well, you think of like the loading dock, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, which is you know, I guess a throwback. I wouldn't say a throwback to the Bloody Bucket, which mm-hmm. was like a place where there were so many name. murders. I know, and and it's it, it has a great history of its own um, because it was a place that there were so many murders that had took it, taken place there. They said that. You know, the rumor was that Jesse and Frank James used to come across the river uh, and visit the the Bloody Bucket. Right. And, and it was actually located a little outside of town. Do you know where that, um, there's an Illinois Department of Corrections, like a boy's home right on oh, the outskirts yeah, of yeah, town? Oh, yeah, because I think we went to like Boy Scout camp right, where, right, where that used right, to be right, or something. Right, yeah. And they, uh, that was actually, the, the Bloody Bucket was located on their property, actually. Gotcha. Um, and when they tore that place down, there were stories about how they'd gone in and there were blood stains and bullet holes in the walls and up in the on the second floor there was a hangman's noose still hanging from the rafter and blood all over it <laughs> all kinds and this was from like 1905 they're right. telling these stories so they were pretty awful you know well, i think were some awful stuff if i walked you know? into a bar and i saw blood and bullet holes i think i'd say you know what i'm all right yeah I'd that's exactly around. you know exactly so i guess it was the biker bar of the you know 1850s right and 60s I and guess. i had no idea that grafton was created like initially to take on Alton, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, that, that was the that was the plan behind behind the founding of it was to try to to take river traffic and and mostly like railroad business mm-hmm. and and try to to cause Alton to you know run out of steam you know but it, it took the depression in 1837 to kill Alton really but right. um, but before that they really wanted to put it out of business so it was it's just a weird story that's crazy I yeah. almost I want yeah. a boycott now almost. <laughs> yeah. that's yeah that's unfortunate so you told me a little bit, but I kind of want to ask more about the Rubo Hotel, and apparently you have a good story about something that happened to you one yeah, night. Yeah, the, um, the Rubo Hotel, I, I was living down here in Alton when they reopened, and I had heard a lot of stories about it at the time when people, you know, because when I moved down here, I had a bookstore here in Alton. And everybody knew, oh, this is the guy that writes the ghost books. I met you there when I think I was 10 years old. Right, yeah, I think so too. And so people would come in and tell me their stories, and that's how I heard a lot of good stories. But that's how I got first um, turned on to the Ruble Hotel and how I met the Lortons and and that kind of thing is because of the hotel. And we were at an event in Muscoot, Illinois, and so we were doing some work on our way back, and we decided to stay in Grafton. And uh, we were staying at the Ruble Hotel, and I... 
you know, I'd heard the stories. I, I mean, I knew every every old hotel has got ghost stories. Right. So I thought, well, you know, it's a great piece of local lore. It's a great legend, but, you know, I don't know if it's true and I have no idea. You know, a lot of times you'll hear me tell stories and I'll say, you know, according to legend or according to the stories, you know, there's no way to know. Right. Well, anyway, so we stayed at the Ruble and late in the middle of the night, it must have been two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, I woke up because, and it's a, it's a small hotel. So, I mean, you, it's not, you're not staying in a big fancy place with soundproof walls. So I could hear a little child crying, just, I mean, crying their eyes out. And I, you know, I, I felt bad as a parent. Yeah. I felt bad. And at the time, Lisa's daughter was really young. And, you you know, when you take kids somewhere, you don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, I felt bad for these people and a baby crying in the middle of the night. It didn't really bother me. I went back to sleep. And it, it didn't phase me much. Right. So the next morning, we're at breakfast. And I said to Lisa, I said, what, did you hear that baby crying last night? And she goes, yeah. I woke up. I heard this baby just bawling. I, I feel, And even she said, I really felt bad for those people, mm-hmm. you know. So we were finishing our breakfast, and I said, well, I'm going to go turn in the keys and get checked out and stuff. So I went over to the little desk, and I gave him my keys, and there was a girl sitting there. And I said, um, I said, was everything okay last night? Because we heard, like, this child just screaming their head off last night, just crying and crying and crying. And we just were curious to make sure everything was okay. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, last night, the baby that was crying, and she said, um... There's no one else here. There was no one in the hotel last night but you guys. Nope. nope. You were the only people checked in. There was no one here. And we leave. And, you know, the place is locked up. We go home. So you were in an empty building, essentially. And if you heard somebody crying, I don't know what to tell you. This is while you were checking out? Yeah. Good, because I would have checked out right then. (laughs) Yeah. Little kids. Yeah. So Uh it was, that was one of those things where I went, suddenly I went, huh. You know, maybe that story's not just a legend after all. Um, so, yeah, it kind of made me a believer in Abigail or whatever her name right. really was, but Abigail they call her. How did they come up with that name? Do you I, don't know. There I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I never have heard where that name came from. Maybe it just sounds like an old-fashioned name. Right. You know what I mean? Old hotel, that kind of thing. Right. So, but yeah, I don't know who she is or, or why or anything like that, but... That was a weird. That was a weird experience. Again, with the like bullet holes and blood stuff. If I walked in and saw a little kid on the stairs, I would just turn around, and be like, "No, done. I'm yeah. out of here." You don't need creepy kids. Is that what you're telling yeah, me? Yeah, so no creepy kids. I don't know why that's just more terrifying to me than than anything. Clowns. But, you know, I'm, 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 I've, I watched the new It trailer like four times the other day. I'm yeah. so excited. I am too for that. I Clowns don't really scare me yeah, that much. No, little I know. kids, terrifying. Yeah. Well, I understand. And I also, I was I was thinking about when you uh, you were mentioning uh, the woods that are now supposed to be haunted right, there, the and I'd never baby really hollow. Right. Yeah. I'd never really thought about that before. But you know, a building being haunted is kind of scary. But I think now that I really think about it, woods that are haunted. Would probably be even worse. Yeah. Well, yeah, because there's no there's no escaping from it. Right. I mean, if you've got a house that's haunted, you walk out the door and don't go back. Right. But if you're out in the woods and there's, you know, weird shit going on out there, yeah. where are you going to go? Right. You know, right. uh, you I can, can burn down you a can house. Start walking away from you know, but how far can you get? You know. So I know. I think I think that's what you know. Go back. You know, almost twenty years to the Blair Witch Project. And yeah. I think that's one of the things that really made it so popular is because here you are out in the woods and there's no escape. Right. You know, and I think that that I've always found that story. I mean, there are other ghost stories in Grafton, but 
that's the one that always got to me. I yeah. mean, not only because it's sort of a sad story anyway, with little kids who've died from diseases that are out here in the woods, but right. I mean, how creepy. Yeah. And it's private property now. I mean, you can't just go out there and explore. But I guess my other point is that's someone's yard yeah. now. You know, as all this time has passed, a hundred and some years have gone by, that somebody's house is there in the woods. Right. And this story's still being told, which means that whoever is living there is still admitting there are some weird things in the woods. Yeah. You know, and there are a lot of woods on the river road. Right. Uh, so a you, lot. <laughs> you don't tell your kids, just go play in the backyard. Exactly. It's haunted. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It, it's cool, too, that the, the stories that we've chosen for this one, because it's almost like if you just wanted to take a little tour, you could go to the River Road, hit Blue Pool hit Elsa hit Grafton and you could just check all these things out in like right. one day and and I've been going to Elsa since um since I was really young and I remember I was fascinated by it oh, because it was just a, a little town. village yeah. and yeah. and it was so unique and I, I stayed at a, a bed and breakfast out there or a little inn one time mm-hmm. um and it's just like you're just transported to like a new world almost it's just its own yeah there place. is um Maple Leaf Cottages, speaking of ghosts in, in Elsa, Maple Leaf Cottages, um, I knew that the owners, I used to go there quite a bit before before I moved to Alton. I mm-hmm. used to go there a lot. And um, the owners, and I believe that uh, one of them has, has since passed away, but she used to tell me about the the cottages. It has, it has a little main building and then several little buildings yeah. attached to it. And um, it's a neat little place, and, and it's still open. It's still a neat little place. But she used to tell me stories about what they called the bridal suite in the upstairs in the main little house. Mm-hmm. And they didn't call it that because, I mean, it didn't get its nickname because people used it for weddings. Right. They got named it that because people would encounter the ghost of a bride. Oh. Um, people used to say they would wake up in the middle of the night, and there would be this girl in a bridal get- dress, not not like leaning over the bed menacingly or anything, but like trying to fix her hair in the mirror and things Wow! like someone had you know at one point had stayed there and for whatever reason we'll never know what happened right but maybe left an impression behind or yeah. returned to a place that was important to her who knows we don't know right because the story was always these people would see this woman in a bridal gown and then of course would throw the covers over their heads and hide until she was gone so wow. no one ever got any real information but that that's what they ended up naming that particular room was the bridal the suite bridal suite because of the ghost bride oh i yeah. love i love it yeah. and, and it's it's interesting because it speaks back to us talking about how um you know it's just a very very intense moments that we think leave some sort of impression and you think that a wedding obviously there's a lot of emotion and a lot of stress and a lot of things going on and um and and also there's so much uh, like the limestone you talk about that they use to build right, a lot of the structures. Right. And I think we Elsa. talked about that in an earlier episode too. Um, we talked about what it is about the limestone and the water, and you know we've got both here. Right. You know that's what I think really contributes to hauntings along here in 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 Alton and Grafton and Elsa and along this edge of the river road with these limestone bluffs, and then you have the river and you have the water that's underground. I think that stuff sort of acts like a battery. I mean, it kind of charges up like an electrical current, and it, it will leave you know memories behind. And I think that that has really contributed to a lot of the hauntings and why we have such a you know huge number of hauntings around this area. I think there's right. a lot to do with it. Really. Yeah, absolutely, and and I, I agree. And even you know coming back closer to Alton, I've uh, my dad took me to Blue Pool when I was a lot younger, and uh, I think. I think we were allowed to go there at that time. I don't know. Either way, we 
we got to walk around. He told I think me it some... was a, I think it was a, a do it till they tell you not to thing for a long time. Right. And then now they've really got fences. And right. Stuff yeah. Like and that. and he told me some stories about, you know, he and his friends in high school hanging out there and stuff. And I got to walk around a little bit. And uh, I've always heard stories about, you know, like anybody you talk to and all, you can ask them. And, and I was reading even comments on random message boards the other day about it. And it's like, oh, no, well, I know somebody that died there. Or I know there's a train car and this and that. And just everybody knows, you know, that, right, it, that, right. that it's bottomless and all this uh-huh. stuff. So yeah. um, it, was, it was nice to kind of learn a little bit more about what actually happened there. But the, the real story, I know that they have a sign there that says don't swim because six people have died here. And so they really did, though, find the woman stabbed to death at the chains. That's, yes. that's true. Yes. And, and there have been stories, and, I, and I, I think they're accurate, that people have been badly injured because yeah. there is a shelf, mm-hmm. like right under at the bottom of the bluff right. over the pool. There's a shelf when the water's not very deep, and people were jumping off yeah. the top of the bluff, and there were a lot of people injured, and there may have been some killed. Uh, I, I completely believe it. I mean, it's a bad spot if you don't know what you're doing. Right, and I hear there's so. a bunch of snakes in there too well, see just... that's enough for me right there yeah that's no. all i need to know is there's snakes and I'm well, also i mean going back, i can't so. imagine just swimming and then just finding a dead body and i mean it's not that big of a no place. it's not it's not so that would probably ruin swimming uh, for me. i would think so probably those two kids that found the, the body i imagine that was probably their i'm, I'm sure it was their last trip to the right. pool uh it may have been their last swimming trip to any place that wasn't a chlorine filled concrete well, swimming pool right, so no baths like <laughs> yeah, only showers yeah, right Right. After that. <laughs> I like the little kid in The Shining and the woman in the bathtub. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, I guess we probably should wrap this one up. Um, like I said, this one got a little lengthy because a lot of stuff we wanted to cover. And so, we barely touched I on know, and then a lot of we, it. And a lot of it we had to leave out. So in the future, listen for the, the Hartford Castle, for one thing, which is one I regretted not being able to include. But we'll get to it at some point, I'm sure. So anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, please you know, share this with your friends. Pass the word on. Uh, give us a review on iTunes. Um, any kind of review really helps our placement on iTunes as far as in the, in the iTunes store. Uh, so anything you can do to, to give us a review, um, as long as it's four or five stars. Only and no four and five. <laughs> yeah. I'm not <laughs> but, interested in that. But yeah. But anyway, pass the word on. Share it with your friends. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we will see you again next time. For sure. And, and please also, you know, we only have this season kind of planned out, but let us know if there are other topics that you think we should tackle, whether Absolutely. whether it's in Alton or whether it's in, in other places. And just let us know, you know, if you have stories about some of these places, please feel free to let us know. I'm very interested to hear what other people have to say. We aim to combine historic record, scientific method, observation, and imagination in order to teach you a little bit more about the paranormal activities of Alton, Illinois. American Hauntings is a bi-weekly podcast. You can hear new episodes every other Monday, so please tune in to hear our latest episode and receive a brand new paranormal history lesson. You can learn more about our podcast and find new episodes on iTunes by searching for American Hauntings or by going to AmericanHauntingsPodcast.com, where we also have links to some of Troy's books as well as other information about upcoming ghost tours and things like that. As for your host, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CodyBeckSTL or CodyBeck.com. Please say hello or tell me how much you hate or love the show. You can find Troy on Twitter at TroyTaylor13 and on Facebook by searching for the Troy Taylor author page or by going to Facebook.com slash author TT. You can also check him out at AmericanHauntings.net. This episode was produced and recorded at Lighthouse Sound Studios. For more information, find them at LighthouseSounds.com. <laughs>